0: John 15, verse 8. Let me just share this before we get to 1 Corinthians. I want you to hear and and hear it very clearly. Uh, John 15 says this. This is to my Father's glory. Who is the Father? And who wants to give God the glory? Come on. Do we want to give God glory with our lives? Yes, we do. So this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. That you be fruitful. That you not just be... a lump on a log, that you not just be a bench warmer, that you not just be a warm body, he would have it that each of you bear fruit. Now, just to make sure everyone knows who we're talking about here, to the Father's glory, he desires who to bear fruit? His wife. I knew it. I knew it. See, that's how we do in church, isn't it? We take the message and we're like, did you hear that, Danny? I hope you got that. And I hope you and Jesus get things together now. Good, great. Who does the Lord want us to bear fruit? Who does the Lord want to bear fruit? Okay, then show me who. Come on, folks. Let's get, take responsibility. Us. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And here is what happens when you bear much fruit. This is what it proves, that you're my disciple. So when you bear fruit, it shows that you have truly taken up your cross and followed him. It has shown truly that you have said, yes, God, I surrender to your mighty hand. Knowing that you will lift me up in due time, I surrender to what you had to say about me. It is saying, Brother Mitch, why do I pick on you, Brother Mitch? It's like you're sitting at the perfect angle of me. As soon as I turn my head, there you are. It's the head. It's the reflection off the head. That's what it is, like a beacon of light. He's got, he is a light in the darkness. Amen. Brother Mitch saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be so prideful that I declare who I am. I am going to humble myself and declare who God says I am. And I'm going to believe that, that he is fearfully and wonderfully made. That his Lord has set him apart, even in his mother's womb, set him apart. Oh, come on. That he has called Brother Mitch to be a high priest, to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a light in this dark and dying world. He has called him to that, amen? And when he begins to surrender to that fact and the fact that the Father loves him and is not seeking to destroy him or continue us living under guilt and condemnation, but he declares, my God loves me and I will walk in that love and grace. Amen? That's humility. We talked about it last week. Pride says, no, I can't believe that God would feel that way. Well, then that's in your own pride because I already know what my Father says about me. What does the father say about you, Kim? What does the father say about you, Sarah? What does the father say about you, Frankie? What does the father say about you? Yes. See, that's where we got to start. And then he says, Hey, I love you so much. I want you to get out there and bear fruit. And what that's going to be is proof to show me that you have believed what I say about you and you have chosen to surrender to me and be my follower and follow me. Yes. Amen. So when you bear fruit and not just sit, oh, my kids, how many were here last Sunday and heard me use the crude term, butt crevice? (laughs) I I did it again. My kids all week have laughed at me and laughed at me. I can't believe you said that in church, Daddy. I'm like, well, it's true. And what I was saying, if you weren't here last Sunday, is it's so easy to walk in on a Sunday morning and have your space and your butt crevice and your pew (laughs) and do little to nothing else with your life and still still somehow call yourself a believer hey you say now you're treading on thin water, thin ice. Folks this is the thing you show yourself to be a follower by bearing fruit. Amen? Oh come on now. Amen? You don't show yourself to be a follower by being a, uh, 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 energetic, running around, doing everything. That's not follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus is when you begin to bear fruit. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 real quick. Starting at verse 26, as soon as you're there, let me hear you say amen. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Called. Oh, everybody, take a moment. What did you look like? What was your life like? When God called you. What did it look like? Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. And I love this. I underlined this a long time ago and put a big smiley face and an arrow pointing at me. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. How many sit here declaring, God, when he called me, my life was a mess. Yeah. Now, it might have looked good to everybody else, but I know what was going on inside. Yes. And if nothing else, I was headed for hell. That's a mess. Right? My life was broken. My life was shot. And it was filled with pride because I believed what everyone else said. And I believed what I said was important, but I never believed what the Lord had to say about who. Who's with me right now? I can't tell you're in this slumber phase, and I'm just trying to really work through this. I need to know you're with me a little bit. God has declared us his own. So he says, I'm going to take somebody foolish like Chrissy. I've been saving that all week. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. I'm going to take someone foolish. I'm going to take someone that looks a mess according to the world. I'm going to take somebody that's despised by the world, and I'm going to totally use them in a mighty way where I get the glory and it's to their good. I'm going to use them. That's what I want to do. How many here, and let's be honest today, struggle with your own weaknesses? The stuff that makes you look like, you know, what do people think about me? And there are a lot of guys, especially a lot of men that I hear, I don't care what people think. That right there tells me you do sorry I've worked with far too many people to not see that we do we struggle with our weakness and how many in their past or even in their present are still trying to make themselves better come on make their weaknesses better well let me just say one thing to you that life that you keep trying to make better isn't even the life you're supposed to be living in the first place. That life's supposed to be dead. Because yeah. you're a new creation in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. That old life, stop trying to scotch tape it together. It's no good. It's supposed to be dead. Toss it. I agree. Oh, last night the old life reared up in me, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Every once in a while, and, and I hope there's somebody else out there that can relate a little bit. I have this thing where once in a blue moon, my wife says, how often? I said, once in a blue moon. <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. I hit about 8, 8.30, and I don't want nobody, no, nobody mess with me. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. And I still got a lot of work to do. So don't even come up in my grill. And of course, when you have a family of eight, The Lord uses that to teach you that you need to get over yourself very quickly. Amen? So last night, I sat there, and that old Dave, wanting to be his own self, leave me alone. Don't you know I'm preparing for a message in the morning? Finally, I looked at the kids and I said, you know what, guys, I want to tell you right now. You're gonna hear it in the morning. But I'll tell you now, this isn't you. This is me letting something raise up in me. So my wife was we crawled into bed last night. She said, well, I suppose you'll be apologizing in the morning. (laughs) First thing I said as I rolled over to this morning, I'm sorry for being so grumpy last night. (laughs) said to the kids in the van, I'm sorry for being such a grump last night. But praise the Lord that that is not me at all times. And that old man, I just keep saying, hey, die. You're crucified. Done. And I will not walk under the condemnation of feeling like a jerk. Amen. So we all walk in that and then we all end up in the condemnation and we all try to get out the big scotch and even try to fix all that mess, right? Uh, That's not how God rolls and you know that. Let me turn with me real quick over into 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and this is going to be the heart of where we're going today. The Lord wants to use the weak, the foolish, the despised, the lowly. Everybody just say broken. How many know that God wants to use the Broken. God wants to use the broken. Let's look at chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to start in verse 5. This is Paul talking about interned intern ministers who go out and preach the gospel. But hey, how many ministers do we have in this house today? Come on. All of you according to the word. Because if you got Jesus in you, you got the gospel in you. If you've got the gospel in you, you've got a mandate. What's your mandate? I've got to go live the gospel and share it. Amen? Who's with me right now? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For what we preach is not ourselves, but who? Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of God. Of Christ so here we go but we have this treasure what is this treasure this gospel this awesome good news too good to be true good news that has saved me that has said you are everything I say you are you have everything I say I, you have because I am everything I say I am that's in you you have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from who God and not from us Let's stop there for a second. This is my best jar of clay I could come up with. Yes, it looks like pottery, but guess what it's made of? Clay. 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 Now, here's the thing 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, We are jars of clay. Now, some can look prettier than others. We brought this one here, it's got a nice little swirl. (laughs) Make it a little prettier. They put a little glaze, shiny stuff on it. it. almost looks like Mitch's head there, you know? That's the last one today, brother. I promise. I promise. He'll get me back. I know he's coming after me. I know. I'll be apologizing tomorrow morning, I promise you. <laughs> um, we have these jars of clay, and in, in in, in Paul refers to us as these jars of clay, that you know what, no matter how fancy you try to make them, the least little hit, drop, smash, what's going to happen to this thing? Great. At best it's going to just crash, at worst it's going to shatter. Yeah. I mean, you can make this thing look gorgeous. My mom has 750000 on top of her cupboards. <laughs> and I mean, you look at him and you're like, woo! but oh, you know, if something happens to that cupboard, well... All that's going to be left is shards. What does that say about us? (laughs) That what we think looks good on the outside can be over in a moment. What we think is important, what we think is important can be over in no time. So, what Paul says is this hey, you're a jar of clay that handles a little bit of everything from cooking to gardening, even bathroom needs. He said, but you know what? You've got treasure. As believers in Jesus Christ, you've got treasure in here that makes this absolutely valuable beyond valuable. It's treasure. It's that good news. It's that gospel. It's that power of God residing in you. It's that new life. It's in here. Makes this thing with this big old chip here. You know, big old gouge here. Makes this thing so valuable. But how many of us get concerned with the big chip right here? How many people get concerned about the gouge here? And I'm not just talking on here, I'm talking about your own life. How many get consumed with that? A.K.A. Lord, you want me to go talk to that person? What if they don't want to hear it? What if they reject me? What if they mock me? Oh God, you know I can't, I, I don't know how to teach. God, you know I don't know how to, how, how to speak your truth. I, I, I know so little. What if they ask me questions I don't know how to give an answer to? Every one of the things I just said is just like being worried about this little chip up here and this little gouge down here. as being wrapped up with the outside. And I'm just going to sound blunt, but not giving two hoots about the power that resides inside. You're wrapped up in who? You. You're wrapped up in protecting who? You. You're wrapped up in trying to fix who? You. And yourself. And yet here's what the word says in 2 Corinthians 4. It goes on to say this. It says, on every side. But here's the cool part. We're pressed, but not what? Why? Because who's in us? We're pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in what? Despair. We're persecuted, but But not what? We're struck down, but not what? Destroyed. And yet how many times do we sit going, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What's the word say? You're pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. Oh, but God, what if? Stop with the what ifs. Who is in you and what is in you? That's where your value comes from. That's where your strength comes from. That's where reality exists. Not what this looks like. Not what this is capable of. Oh, come on, folks. It goes on to say, you know, very truly I tell you. I I love this part. This is is in in the book of John. He says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies oh what it remains only a single seed but if it dies it produces many seeds you know what this is basically saying it says if you die to yourself and you stop getting worked up about what this looks like and in the personality of this and the skill set i can't stand that word the skill set of this What I'm capable of doing and not doing, you have no business saying what you're capable of doing and not doing. You've got God in you that is capable of everything. So if he's called you to something, the last thing you should be doing is looking in the mirror. The last thing you should be doing is focused in on, oh, okay, God, I'll do that when I get more seminary education. Please don't do that. That's why we keep him on staff, just for the (laughs) one-liners. I'm not bashing education, I'm not. But I'm saying we can't rely on that. Because who is our who is our guide? Who is our teacher? The Holy Spirit. That's first. Now, if God calls you to seminary or whatnot, hey, do it. But knowing that your teacher is Holy Spirit. But the bottom line is this, Lord, I've got to surrender to what it is you say about me and not what I think about me. So that when I, you call me to something, I'm not gonna sit around wondering if I can do it or not. Do you know what? Can I just say one thing to you? How many remember the story of Jonah? How many know Jonah got called? He already had a calling, but one thing I do called to a very specific duty, go to Nineveh. Now here's one that we always give Jonah a bad rap, but one thing I do know about Jonah is, he didn't have any problem with thinking he could do it or not. He just didn't want to. Hey, at least everybody knew where they stood. But how many believers this day and age are, are still stuck in wondering if they, if they even can do it? Well, if God says you can do it, do it. If he's called you, do it. Why? Because it's God doing it, not you. John 15, 5 says, For without you, without me, you can do Jonah didn't have any problem with that. Nowhere did it say Jonah was not going to go to Nineveh because he just didn't feel like he had enough education or enough uh, speaking ability to get across to the Ninevites. No, Jonah knew. He even said to God, I know what you're going to do. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to do what you tell me to do and everybody's going to get saved. Now, how many know that God wants you guys to live that way? You know what I mean? Susan McDaniel, you're being called to China. God, how am I going to do that? You're not. Right? God is. Frida Weaver, you're called to open a Christian preschool. <laughs> and you don't have to make it happen. If he's called you, he'll do it. Amen? So John 12 goes on to say, if it dies, the seed, it, it produces many seeds. And not just it produces many seeds, it produces fruit, but then the fruit have what? Seed. That produce more fruit with Do you see how it works exponentially? And then it goes on to say, anyone who loves their life, what do you mean by loves it? Other other scriptures say save their life. Anyone who tries to save their life, they're going to lose it. You try to fix the nicks in your life before you do what God calls you to do? You try to tell God how you can't when he said you could? You're going to lose what you already have because God is not in that business of waiting for you to determine how you look in the mirror if you're ready to go or not or how you act or oh God you don't understand my past people just annoy the crud out of me that was how st- you're calling me to ministry Now I'm going to tell you right now that was a statement I made about 10 15 years ago I'm the last person God should ever call to ministry I was talking to my brother-in-law the other day. He said, you know, he works as a counselor. He said, i tell you what, the, the, the hardest thing about being a counselor to people is the people. <laughs> he said, I could do this counseling thing no problem if there was no people involved. <laughs> I said, same with ministry, man. In my flesh, I could very easily fall into that. And how many know here that many times with your businesses and your work, work would be a whole lot easier if there were not people to deal with Right? Amen. Amen. But here's the problem. God didn't ask what you thought about people. He told you how you were supposed to feel about people or deal with people. What does he tell us? Love them. Well, I can't, God. That's exactly right. That's why I can't. And that's why you have a treasure now inside of you because you're incapable, but I'm going to use you in a mighty way, and I'm going to empower you to love people. So the problems I have with Aaron Thompson, I'll deal with them. <laughs> why is that because God in me has is teaching me to love me Is filling me with his love which comes splashing out on who? I'll be quite honest with you as hard as it is to say this but I can say this because I've lived it blaming people for the reason why you don't is garbage 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 don't even go there with God because he's not going he, to, he, he'll, he's got, yeah, he, he, he'll listen, but you know what? He's already going to say, but my word says, I've already said, but my word says, I've already said, but you don't know what they said about me. Yeah, but what have I said about you? Why are you choosing to believe them over me? That's the yes. Who's hearing me? Means, right? Come on, I know the, the hours start to get late. And you're going, oh Lord, we still have communion after, but come on. I want you to hear me for a second. Mark 8.35 specifically, out of the Passion, says this. Whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. I'm sorry, this is the NIV. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel, the call of in your life is going to save it. And I love what the Passion says. It says, all who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life all who, and I love this one, they all say all who are obsessed with being secure in life. How many people know that you get obsessed about wanting to know how this is going to work out, that's going to work out, and what the future is going to look like, or am I even going to be able to do this? All who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. Who wants to know true life today, folks? Come on. So the the Lord says very simply in Luke 9, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, anybody want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now what does it mean to take up the cross? It doesn't mean that that's your burden. We sometimes get this picture of Jesus walking up the Via Della Rosa like this up to Golgotha. That's not what it's talking about. When you take up your cross, it means who was put on that cross and what happened on that cross. Jesus, what, on the cross? He crucified, he was died. His life was over at that moment on the cross. So when we, it's saying for us to take up our cross, it is not saying, bear your burden in life. No, walk out the suffering that Jesus walked out. And what was that? I will not live by the standards of this world. I will not believe the standards of this world. I will be free. And the only way that happens is what? Die to yourself. Now, while you're taking up your cross and your hands are up here, guess what? Your hands can't be here trying to protect you from everything else. And there's only one that can protect you. There's only one who can be your refuge. There's only one who can be your strength. And so when Jim Bunyard is called away, I'm trying to come up with a nation, Kazakhstan. What is that? that? I can't even pronounce it. Portugal, there we go, to share the good news. The Lord says, "I don't want you thinking about protecting yourself. I'm already your protector." When God calls Cassandra to go into the uh, talk, talk to the cashier at food line. Oh God, he looks pretty rough and not real happy. It must be a busy day. I can't share anything with him, Cassandra. Stop protecting yourself. I've called you, I will do through you, in you and through you. God has called us all. It is time to stop trying to protect this from falling off the counter and hitting the floor. Because he said, hey, you'll be struck down, but you're not going to be what? You're going to be pressed, but not what? Crushed. You're going to be persecuted. How many know that? But you're not going to be abandoned at all. At all. So I love what a message <laughs> In the message, it's Luke 9. It's the same one. Take up your cross and follow me. This is the message. It says, he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. (coughs) Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. And I like this. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the only way. My way. So Matthew 5 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Can I ask you a question? It's like the Old Testament story with Gideon where they took a torch and they hid the lit torch in inside the clay pot. Hid it inside the clay pot. Why? Because it kept the light from shining. But it wasn't until the clay pot was broken that the light comes shining out. And for those of us sitting around all concerned about our brokenness from the past... Let me just say right now, light shines a lot easier through broken cracks than it does through nothing broken. God wants to use you guys mighty. I don't want to leave you the way you are, but he's not concerned about your your outside. He's concerned about what's inside. And he's equally concerned because he doesn't want you just wallowing through life. John Piper. One of my favorite pastors he has a book called don't waste your life what's the best way to waste your life declare Jesus as Lord and Savior and allow him to do nothing through you because you're too busy protecting you or telling you what you can't do hey there's only one that's telling you what you can't do and who is that it's time to start taking God at his word Now, I'm going to get very raw with you just for a second. Maybe not raw. I heard that word the other day. Maybe just real. I want people to be honest here right now. How many sitting here in this congregation, God has called you to something, whether in here or out there, God has called you to something. And out of your doubt, out of your fear, out of your own concern for your own weakness, you yourself have not done it. Let me see your hand. time has come the lord's saying no more take up your cross and follow me and i'll take you up and take it with me yes. amen. amen lord keep doing that in us right now there are people here who have been called uh, preachers, teachers, evangelists. Lord, you've been called uh, to do miraculous things. You, you, God, you want to use people in healing. You want to use people, words of knowledge. We see Him in not only in Ephesians, but we also see Him in First Corinthians. Lord, we just see all sorts of things. Callings, gifts that you give people and callings that, God, you send people out to other nations, across the street, in grocery stores, at work, at school. You see it, Lord. God, we cannot let the rest of the world not know you out of the self-preservation. God, you are our rock and our foundation, and we stand firm on you. Thank you, Jesus, for continuing to open our hearts.